0: I want to encourage you to take out your copy of God's Word this morning, however you have that with you. Uh, If you have it written down like me, go ahead and and turn in your pages, or if you have it on your phone, I don't care, open up your Bible app to James. However you want to do that today, go ahead and open it up, because we've made it uh, to the last Sunday of 2020, as Luke has reminded us, and in just a few days, it will be 2021. 2021. And the hope for most people uh, have is this, that 2021 will be a much different year. Amen? We're all hoping for that. However, let's be careful about something. Okay? Let, let's, let's be careful in believing this, that just because we're going to change the number on a calendar, that thing's are going to change. All right? It's not that easy, right? In fact, as we start 2021, my guess is we're still going to be facing some of the same challenges, but at the same time, let me remind you this, we still have the same hope. All right. Our hope is found in God. So let's keep that in mind. And last year, you know, when 2020 started as a staff, I mean, we had this great plan that we're going to spend the whole year focusing around the theme 2020 vision. There were different topics we are going to address with that theme, and we were excited about the different aspects of that. But then 2020 happened, and everything changed. Nothing really went as planned because it seemed constantly the situation was changing, and so we had to change our plans. I really wish someone in advance had told me what 2020 was going to be like. How about you, all right? Uh, but, but I know they, they can't do that. No one could have predicted what happened. And I'm sure along the way, as we made decisions, as we considered what was the right course of action, there were times that we got things right and probably times that we got things wrong. That's typically how things go in life, right? We get a few things right and a few things wrong. But hopefully along the way, we've done our best to please the Lord. And at the same time, we've learned a few things. You know the old saying, right, that says hindsight is twenty twenty, Right? Well, looking back at 2020, it sure gives us many things to consider, does it not? And here's what I want us to do today, in fact. What we're going to do is we're going to look back at 2020 a little and see what are some of the things that last year showed us. Most, if not all, these things are things you should have already known, but 2020 had a way of highlighting them. Let me go ahead and state this up front. You ready? Today's message is not going to be a fancy message. I'm not pretending it is. It's a very practical message. It's a very simple message. Hopefully, this will just be a reminder of some things that God showed us in 2020 that I hope we will remember as we move into 2021, and the hope would be this, that maybe we'd get a few of them just a little bit better, all right? That would be my hope. I hope yours as well. To guide our message, we're going to look at the letter James, the letter that James here wrote to a group of people. Who also experienced things that they were not expecting. James was the half brother of Jesus Christ, half because they shared mothers, but obviously had different fathers, as Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and had no biological earthly father. James became a leader in the early church, and as a brother of Jesus, he obviously had a front row experience to who Jesus was and what he had done. And for many of the early Christians, having seen the power of Jesus, it would have been easy for them to believe that since Jesus raised from the dead, that following him would mean incredible and amazing power displays in their lives. And ultimately, it really did. However, what they had not anticipated was the great amount of persecution that they would face. They faced such persecution that those who placed their faith in Jesus often had to flee for their lives, and so there became this scattering of the early Christians. Now, there was a positive part of that, the positive part being that as these Christians scattered throughout the world and moved to different communities, that the gospel of Jesus Christ spread rapidly. The negative part, however, was that as they scattered, they lost connection to other established Christians, and so at times, they had a loss of focus. James wrote to Christians to address some of the struggles he saw, and he encouraged Christians to live in ways that please the Lord. As we do a quick survey of what James addressed, we're going to see how in 2020 we face many of the same struggles as those in James' day faced. We, too, have this tendency to lose focus in our lives. And so what I'm going to want us to do today is quickly consider five things that 2020 taught us so that as the new year approaches, we can have the right focus. The first thing that 2020 showed us is simply this, that trials are a part of life. Now, we should have already known this, right? But dealing with a pandemic has definitely taken trials to a new level for many. Most of us have never lived anything, through anything close to what we experienced in 2020. So look at what James reminded us. I, I meet, briefly mentioned this last week, but look at his words beginning in verse 2 of chapter 1. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The first part I want you to notice in James's words is when, that word when. He says when you meet trials of various kinds. James didn't say if you face trials. He says, but when. You should never be surprised when a trial comes into your life. You know, a pandemic might have been a surprise to all of us, but we shouldn't have been surprised that a trial came. I mean, in fact, we shouldn't be surprised when any trial comes into our life, whether that be a trial of a family crisis or a health crisis or a job crisis or whatever form your crisis takes, we shouldn't be surprised when those trials come. We live in a fallen world, and because of that, there will be various trials. The words of James that are hard, though, for us to accept are the ones that say, count it all joy, all right? Count it all joy when you face trials. I'll make a confession to you. When I look back at 2020, there are some things that I know that I had a hard time, all right, when I had to deal with them, to count those things as joy. All right? That's my honest confession. There were times when we were faced with making decisions, and I knew no matter what decision that was made, somebody was going to be mad. That was the reality. Most of the time throughout the year, the decisions you made were a no-win no matter what you did, and I never went into any of those really being excited about it, all right? I didn't really find it easy to count those things joy, yet God says no matter what you face, when you face those things, you need to count those joys. So here's the question, all right? How can we do that? If we find it hard to do that, how can we count them in joy? When we have the right perspective. Here in James, we are told that trials are a test. They are a test of our faith. Now, we don't like to take tests, do Do we? But tests can be good if we use them for the right reasons, all right? How many of y'all like to take a test? No hands go up, right? all right? But when test is used to, to, to in the right way, it can be a good thing. When a test is used to help you get a clear picture of what you know and what you don't know, where you need help and what you need to work harder to understand, then they can be good for your life. Tests can be tools of growth. You know, when I was in seminary, I had one professor who was unique in the way he approached class. He approached his class by what he called the mastery system. In other words he would he would teach you some material and we would go through that and he would give us a, a mastery test he would call it to see if we had mastered the material if you had mastered the material, then you went on to new material and you learned something new. But if you hadn't mastered it, you went back and you did some other you know, you, know, you, know, th- you know, things that helped you learn that material, whether it was reading something else or whether it was doing another type of project or something to help you learn the material, and then you would take the test again until you had mastered the material. You see, I appreciate that approach because it wasn't so much about what grade am I getting as much as it was, have I learned what I needed to learn? Likewise, here's what God wants you to know about your trials. If a trial is coming into your life, we shouldn't regret those things. It's God saying, looking, I'm coming and I'm giving you a test because I want you to see where you're succeeding, where you need to grow. And if you'll use it in that way to say, hey, when I'm not living as I should here, then let it change your life or I'm not having the faith I need here. Let God help you to put more faith in him in those areas. What happens in your life is you begin to grow and you grow in ways where James says until you're complete and you're lacking nothing. According to James, James, again, the testing of trials are a means that God uses to perfect our faith, to complete our faith, to help us walk with him. That should be something that every believer welcomes. Amen? Right? We should want to grow in our faith. When we view trials in that way, we can count them as joy. Trials are also an opportunity, though, for God to shine. Look at what James shares a few verses later. He says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What we must never forget is that God is the giver of all good things. Even in a time of trial, God is good. What we must do is look and be mindful of all the good that God is doing in the midst of our trials. In fact, if we look back at 2020, it can be at times difficult to see the good, but the good is there. I know this, families learned once again that time together is important. Some people learned that the things that they thought were important are not important. There are some that people that have learned that there are certain things that they didn't think that they could do without that they realize now they don't even need in their life at all and they've replaced them with things of truer value, more important value, such as family time. There have been those who discovered the importance of spending time with God. People in the past who thought they were too busy found that in 2020, they had time to be with God. There have been acts of kindness throughout the year where people became creative in order to minister to others. There have been those who used gifts that had been on the shelf for a while. I know people who, for example, who, who have sold and for a long time, they learned that they are still needed in the world because people begin to realize, oh, you know what? I need somebody to sew me a mask. I need somebody to do this. And that kind of been on the shelf for a while, but they realize I am still needed in this world. Many good things that happened in the midst of a great trial. In fact, here's what we must do looking back with hindsight. We need to ask a few questions, the first one being this, God, what were you trying to teach me, right? Let's look back and say, God, in 2020, as we went through this, what were you trying to teach me? What were you trying to teach us? And let's follow that up with a question, God, did I learn it? Did I listen to what you were doing in my life? Also, let's look back and ask this question, God, what good good thing did you do in 2020? And then we need to praise him for it. We need to ask those questions because we don't want to fail to learn what God was teaching us and surely we don't want to fail to thank God for his goodness, do we? I hope not. And so take a moment to ask these questions because 2020 has shown us that trials are part of life and they do not need to be wasted. Now, the next thing that we see that 2020 taught us is this, is that partiality is still a problem. All right, listen to these words in James chapter two, beginning in verse one. He says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, as James wrote these words, he was dealing with a very evident problem in the church. People were giving preference to those who are more wealthy than others. I would maintain this is still happening in many places, exactly as it was happening in James' day. But 2020 has shown us that we still have a tendency to show partiality just in different ways. You know, as we look back, we have seen in 2020 that there's partiality over race, there's partiality over politics. And there is partiality over masks to name the big three of 2020, right? And though we don't want to admit it, many people give preference to those who are like them or who see things like them. We still have those who want to see people of a different race as inferior, or those from one political party see those in the other party as wrong, and of course, their views are superior to the others. And then we've seen those on the different sides of the mask-wearing controversy look at others as a little crazy. We may not call it partiality, but we are truly giving preference to those who are like us or who see things just like we see them. That should not be so. In fact, look at verse 4 again because I believe it speaks volume to us. He says, Have you not then made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Would you meditate on that verse for just a moment? Maybe you need to highlight that, put that on your refrigerator, put it on your mirror and think about that. Have you not made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You tell me, have we made distinctions among ourselves? Y'all are awake, right? Y'all can say yes, it's okay. Yes, we absolutely have. We have put people in different categories for various reasons and almost written off those who do not see things the same. That should not be so. Look at how James follows this up in verse 8. He said, "If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all." I believe 2020 was a challenging year when it comes to loving our neighbors. But I hope that as believers, we would hear God's call on our lives to love our neighbors, to love those different than us, those who look different than us, those who might vote different than us, those who might have a different opinion about the pandemic. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, listen, we should not let those things divide us because here's what we're doing. We're letting those things divide us rather than helping people come to know the love of God. And we shouldn't let these secondary things divide us. Instead, we should be proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Therefore, let's take the challenge to truly love our neighbors because if we don't, we are committing sin. We are showing partiality. Let's be people who even at times disagree in agreeable ways because we love with the incredible, gracious, merciful, patient love of God. Now, as we continue to look back at 2020, we'll also see that 2020 showed us that the tongue is an issue. Look now at chapter 3 as James continues in verse 4. He said, Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Let me ask you this, folks. Is there any truer word spoken? The tongue is a very dangerous thing, is it not? And let's make sure we understand the full spectrum of what we need to consider here because when James wrote these words, there is no such thing as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email, and other such forms of electronic communications. We need to know that our typed and written words are an extension of our tongues and God would include them today. Today, unfortunately, people get to say what they want to, but they do it from a distance and they do it for all the world to see. They get to say what they want and not even have to face the person they are talking to or about. And because of that, today, the tongues have become even more free and even more dangerous. Hasn't 2020 shown us the ugliness of the tongue? If we just went back to the partiality that I mentioned, we see much of that partiality show on our tongue. People speak evil and degrading things about others who see things differently. When we disagree with someone, it's not in civil ways. People talk about others in very unflattering ways, very degrading ways. The result of such talk is situations are made worse, division gets greater, and sometimes lives are destroyed. In fact, I'll say this. I've been so disheartened just in the Christian world in 2020 because I've seen such hatred between Christians. I get on Twitter, I get on Instagram, and I see Christians fighting with one another. And I want to look and say, how could you even think about saying that about a fellow brother or sister in Christ? Even if you disagree, why would you be so mean? Why would you be so hateful? Because there's no way that's pleasing to our God. At times, again, I have wanted to scream. I've wanted to cry or something because I know God's heart is broken. And I know God's heart is broken because of the words that we read in Ephesians 4 where it says this. I read these words in Ephesians 4 and say, I know this is how we're supposed to talk. And then I remember the words in James that says this in verse 7a, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I read the call in Ephesians 4 about this is how I'm supposed to talk. And then I read here in James 3 that it says, no man can tame the tongue. And I want to ask the question, how can I rectify the two? Well, it's pretty easy, is it not? Here it is. No person can tame the tongue, but the Lord can. Therefore, though 2020 has shown us that the tongue is an issue, it is a reminder to us of the need for God to control our lives because God has told us that fruit of God's spirit is self-control. And so even if you look and say, I can't control my tongue, I got news for you. God can help control your tongue. The question is today, will you give complete control of your life to him? In fact, in all areas, we have to ask the question, will we give God control of our lives? I mean, it really leads me to this next thing that 2020 taught us. It taught us this, that we are not in control. Look now at James 4, beginning verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Think about this for a moment. We all make plans, do we not? All right? My guess is some already have plans for 2021. Anybody got any plans for 2021? 2021? I know my family's already been making plans for 2021. I've got a wedding in the mix in 2021, maybe two, who knows, all right? We've we got other things, about like graduations in the plan for 2021. Those things are all things that we're looking forward to in 2021. In fact, even as the year goes along, guess what? We'll make other plans, not so far in advance as some of the things that we're looking forward to, but we're going to make plans all, right, all along the way. But here's what I know as we make those plans. Everything can change, Right. As I said earlier at the church, we had plans for 2020. Most of those got changed or altered. I would say very few things that we had originally planned for 2020 happened. Why? Because we are not in control. We like to think we are, but we are not. According to James, here's what we are. We're just like a mist. We appear for a little bit and then we disappear. Life is fast and life is uncertain. For any of us to think things are under our control, it's wrong. And James reminds us what we should really focus on or really what our focus should be. Instead of thinking we're in control or trying to control things, we should do this instead. Look at what it says in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. What this reminds us really is that God is control. God is in control. And we should trust every day to him. In fact, think about what would change if we would give God complete control. All right, think about what would change in your life if you gave God complete control. I'm going to tell you at least one thing I know would change for you if you gave God complete control. You ready? You'd have less anxiety. Right? Because think about it. All right, what is it that gives us much of our anxiety in life? It's when things don't go as I planned, right? Sometimes it's, you know, it's not even that they didn't. It's the fear that they're not going to go as I planned, right? And because of that, we're worried about it. We're worried. Is things going to go just right? Are they going to go as I have planned, all right? Listen, if things don't go as you planned, can I give you a reminder? It just meant this, that God had a different plan. A plan that is much better even if it gives you heartburn, Right? There's great relief in knowing that truth because I can look back at 2020 and know this, that there is much that I can look back and be discouraged about because our plans didn't happen, but instead I can be encouraged because I know this, that God is up to something great. Even if I may not see everything clearly right now, he is working out a good plan, and that is a great relief. What we're recognizing God's control does is free us simply to do what we know we need to do, all right, and what God wants us to do today. Verse 17 is so key to us because it really makes things simple. Look again at what it says. And so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Catch this. One of the big keys for us daily is doing what we know is the right thing in the present. If you find someone in need and you know God wants you to help that person, then you should help. If you know that God wants you to pray, then you should pray. If you know that God wants you to tell the truth, then you Tell the truth. If you know that God wants you to share the gospel with someone, then you share. If you know that God wants you to say, I'm sorry, then you say, I'm sorry. If you know that God wants you to forgive, then you forgive. If you know that God wants you to give financially to support a cause or organization, then you financially give to that cause or organization. If God wants you to spend time playing with your kids, then you spend time playing with your kids. I could go on for a long time this morning, could I not? But I think you get the point, do you not? If you do what God wants you to do right now, you can find peace in that because if your plans change in a moment unexpectedly, you can accept that as God's will and you can ask this question, what God do you want me to do now, right? What do you want me to do in this moment? And you do what God wants you to do. And if you do that, here's what you'll find. You will find peace even if it was not in your plans. The reason we should in the moment do what we know God wants us to do is because of this. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed it. I'm not guaranteed it. Too often I've been at funerals only to hear people say something they intended to do with the one who had died, but they put it off and now it's too late. Or I've been with people who have gotten to a place in life where physically they are unable to do certain things and they say, well, I intended to do such and such, but now I can't. Listen, we are not in control of many things, but what we can do is do what we know is right today. And so I challenge you today to do what you know is right. Now, as we consider that we are not in control and find that frustrating, we're also reminded in 2020 that we struggle to be patient. I'm sure that statement surprises you all, right? I'm sure there's not a single person here who ordered something on Amazon Prime and wondered how come it wasn't going to make it the next day. I'm sure there's no one here who got into a line at Chick-fil-A and wondered how come it's taking so long, even though you got through in just a matter of minutes. I'm sure there's no one here this morning who said, I cannot wait for all this COVID stuff to be over with. I'm positive there's no one here who has done any of those things. Well, actually, I might be guilty on all accounts myself, okay? But look at what James says, beginning of James 5, verse 7. He says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Let me remind you, when James writes these words, he is writing to believers who have been faced with persecution. All right, you know what that means, right? It means their desire was not that their package would arrive on time. Their desire was not that their line at their favorite restaurant would go just a little bit faster their desire would have been that their suffering would end their desire was that they could live life without fear for their life and in the midst of that James writes the words and says be patient and notice how long he said to be patient how long did he say to be patient until the coming of the Lord how long is that you tell me how long is that Well, in one way, yes, we don't know, right? So let's put it this way. As long as life as we know it on this earth continues. What is James saying? He's saying be patient for the Lord is working out a perfect plan. We need these words because we have a tendency to give up. Before. How many of you all ever done that? Numerous times, right? Well, the question I have for us then is this. Why not let that be us? Why not let that be us? When we face our struggles, when we face our mountains, when we face our impossible circumstances, let's be people who are patient as God's work. Let's be people who are so steadfast that that, that we can wait to see the blessing of the Lord and so that we can be witnesses to the goodness of God. Shouldn't that be us? God says, be patient. I'm at work. Now, as we consider these things that 22 and he reminded us about, it, it takes me to a concluding thought, and here it is. It's important, more important than ever, than, that we proclaim and teach the truth, all right? Think, think about this. Look at the last words that James says, verses 19 and 20. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. You know, what James was dealing with were were truly some of the same things that we deal with today, and ultimately, it's people having a tendency to wonder from the truth. You know, what we do is this. We listen to lies, we believe lies, and then we live by those lies. Do we not? In the process, our lives are hurt, and what God wants us to do is to know his truth and to live by that truth. Your life will be blessed if you simply live by the truth of God. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a challenge this week. You know, I told you right up front, did I not? I told you right up front that this message would not be fancy. Did I tell you that? Yeah? It's not been fancy, has it? No. It's really just very practical stuff. So here's my challenge to you, okay? These are things you may have already heard before, things you know. But my question to you is, do you fully understand God's truth on these matters, and are you living by his truth? All right, with that question in mind, this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to pick up your word, the word of God. And I want you to read the book of James. There's five chapters. I've highlighted them for you this morning. And over the next five days, I want you to pick up one chapter at a time and I want you to read through that chapter. And here's what I want you to do as you read through that chapter. I want you to say, God, what truth are you showing me? And God, what are you wanting me to do with that truth in my life? And then I want you to commit to God to say, God, I'm gonna live that truth out. And I want you to begin to, to live that truth as we get ready to start 2021. I believe if you will take this challenge, there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to come to realize this week. Maybe be reminded of or maybe help you to move forward because if you read through James, the first thing you're going to be reminded of is this. You're going to be reminded that trials are a part of life, are you not? And it doesn't matter that if you've heard some preacher lie to you and say that if you follow God then life's going to be easy for you, that you're going to be healthy and you're going to be wealthy. If you've heard some preacher proclaim that lie, when you pick up James, you're going to read and say, oh, when you face face trials, oh, when you face trials, oh, I'm going to have trials. You're going to learn that truth and realize, oh, in the midst of that, I need to count it all joy. And maybe he can give you a better understanding of how you approach that trial in life. I believe this week that if you read the word of God, you're going to get in you're going to understand something. That you're going to realize that there's a truth that partiality is a problem in your life and in the world's. And here's what you're going to be a challenge to so look and say, oh, God's calling me to love my neighbor. And I realize as I look back at 2020, I've not really done a good job of that. And he's going to challenge you, how can I do that? By looking at his love. Because here's hopefully what you'll understand. Maybe what you'll have come to your mind as you read that is God saying this in our life. That listen, there is no difference in us. There's no slave or free in Jesus Christ. That There's no male or female. There's no, we're the same in Jesus Christ. And because of that, I can love all people, even those who see things differently than me. When you read this truth this week, here's what you're going to discover. You're going to discover, yes, the tongue is a problem. The tongue is a dangerous thing. And hopefully there will be that conviction where you look, as James says, with this tongue, we should not bless God and curse others. And there will be a conviction that comes in our life that says, hey, in 2021, I need to use my tongue a little differently this year. Hopefully as you read this word, you're going to understand the truth that you're not in control, but that God is. That what you can do in that moment is trust the future to him and say, God, I give it to you. And as I give it to you, Lord, here's what I also realize in this word, I can be patient. And I can be patient because why can I be patient? Because of this. Because I know that you are working out a perfect plan. And what is that perfect plan? <clears throat> Let's think about it. Here's why we ought to be patient. Because in 2 Peter, we're told this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. See, what we can remember as we read this truth and read these very practical things for our life is that God is working out a master plan, and his master plan is ultimately this, that he wants all to come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior, Right? We just celebrated Christmas, which marks the coming of Jesus to this earth in order to be the savior of the world, in order to come and die for the sins of mankind. We wait now for him to come again and make all things right as we wait on Jesus Christ to return. And as we wait, you know what we know? God is working, right? He is working out a perfect plan. He is working in the good. He is working in the difficult. He is working ultimately to help people see their need for Jesus, And he's working to help them know of his love that is seen through the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is working as the day approaches for Jesus to come and to make all things right. And there will be a day as God has determined in the future when time as we know it will be no more and the chance to accept his love is over. And my prayer for you today is that you let today be the day when you invite Jesus into your heart and experience his love and begin to live by that truth as we saw 2020 showed us. And maybe this morning, you're a believer, all right? And you say, hey, I've walked with God for a long time, but maybe 2020 still showed you, you've still got a little bit of ways to go, right? It's shown me. Anybody anybody else want to say that's me? Well, let's take the challenge of 2021 to pick up God's word, to read his truth and say, God, help me in 2020 to be more of who you want me to be. Will you take that challenge today? It's a simple challenge, but I expect you to read over the next five days the word of God And let him change your life. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to you this morning, I thank you again for these very practical words of James. That does remind us in a way, Lord, that what we face today is nothing new. We're facing the same challenges in 2020 that James faced in the first century. And as those believers needed the reminder then, we need the reminders now of how you've called us to live. And so I pray today that we'll take these simple, practical challenges And that 2021 will be a better year for us as we seek to serve you. Above all, Father, help us today to really give control to you. Because, Father, we know, again, maybe of all of these, the things 2020 taught us is that we are not in control. And we so desperately need you in our life. And there may be some here this morning that for the first time, they need to give their life to Jesus. And I pray that they would do that. Give complete control to him. Let him come in and forgive them of their sin and to give them a new life. If that's the case, I pray some would end 2020 and begin 2021 the best way possible of giving their life to you. But Father, for all of us, I know there's this challenge to be who you want us to be. So if nothing else, Father, take these words, speak to us, and help us to be more of who you want us to be in the coming year. Help us to grow. Help us to reach maturity in some of these areas as we let you work in our life to help us be who you want us to be. So now, Father, as we approach this invitation, Lord, I'm asking you to move in us, change us, Don't let us be still. Move us forward in our faith in you. So speak to our hearts. Pour the Spirit down in these moments. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.